Almighty God, bless the reading and hearing of your word. Let the Holy Spirit descend upon us that we may understand your word for us today. As your scriptures are read, as your word is heard, let the utterances of our mouths and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church. And let God's people say, Amen. Our reading today comes from Daniel chapter 3, verses 10 through 27. Your Majesty, you gave a command that everyone who hears the sound of zephyr, lyre, harp, flute, and every kind of instrument should bow down and worship the gold statue. Anyone who wouldn't bow and worship would be thrown into a furnace of flaming fire. Now there are some Jews, ones you appointed to administer the province of Babylon, specifically Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who have ignored your command. They don't serve your gods, and they don't worship the gold statue you've set up. In a violent rage, Nebuchadnezzar ordered them to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I've set up? If you are now ready to do so, bow down and worship the gold statue I've made when you hear the sound of horn, pipe, zither, lyre, harp, flute, and every kind of instrument. But if you won't worship it, you'll be thrown straight into the furnace of flaming fire. Then what god will rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, We don't need to answer your question. If our God, the one we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of flaming fire and from your power, your majesty, then let him rescue us. But if he doesn't, know this for certain, your majesty. We will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage and his face twisted beyond recognition because of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In response, he commanded that the furnace be heated to seven times its normal heat. He told some of the strongest men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of flaming fire. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were bound, still dressed in all their clothes, and thrown into the furnace of flaming fire. Now the king's command had been rash, and the furnace was heated to such an extreme that the fire's flame killed the very men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to it. So these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of flaming fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in shock and said to his associates, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? They answered the king, Certainly, Your Majesty. He replied, Look, I see four men unbound walking around inside the fire, and they aren't. And the fourth one looks like one of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar went near the opening of the furnace of flaming fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The chief administers, ministers, governors, and the king's associates crowded around to look at them. The fire hadn't done anything to them. Their hair wasn't singed. Their garments looked the same as before. They didn't even smell like fire. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We reach a midpoint in the seven deadly sins as we reach wrath. 
And wrath is a little bit harder because of the fact that it's harder to see where wrath comes from. We look at pride and we can see how there's good pride and there's pride that is not so good. But it's hard to find good wrath. Because even when we talk about the wrath of God, it's talked about in a way that makes us fearful. Something that should be frightening. And I think part of the difficulty is understanding exactly where wrath starts. Wrath is that burning anger, that anger that has spiraled out of control, that has spiraled into something that we have almost no control over. And it starts with the simplest of anger and the simplest of frustration. The problem is, if we don't address those things, they build up. They build up and they build up and they build up until they come out as wrath. And the other part of wrath that makes it difficult is wrath often depends on a power dynamic. It is hard to actually express wrath in somebody that has power over you. And it's really easy to have wrath over somebody that you have power over. We see this in the scripture. And we get a couple different things out of this story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aside from really, really knowing their names by the time we get to the end of it. But when King Nebuchadnezzar calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, he gives them the choice. You can give in. You can do what I tell you to do. Or you can face my wrath. With this, we get a good example of what turning the other cheek actually is. We often think about it as a very pacifist thing, as a very nonviolent thing. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego turn the other cheek in that they reclaim power that was taken from them. An unjust law was being pushed on them, that they would have to worship how the king told them to worship. So they resist. And so the king says, all right, I'm going to give you a chance. You can bow down and worship right now. And in essence, he slaps them in the face and says, do what I tell you to do. Instead of going, okay, we'll bow down and worship, they take that power back. They take it back and they go, you don't have power over us. You can destroy us, but that won't change anything. You can punish us, but that won't change our minds. We won't follow your unjust law. And this enrages Nebuchadnezzar. He goes beyond being angry and vindictive. And he flies into a rage that disfigures his very face. That every part of him contorts. And he is so angry because not only are they not following his rule, but they have flaunted his power. They have basically said, you don't really have any power over us. You can hurt us if you want, but that's the only power you have. You don't have control over what we do and what we think. And the anger builds up to the point that 
he lashes out. Nebuchadnezzar begins hurting people. And one of the problems with wrath is that we are blinded to what our actions are actually doing. Nebuchadnezzar has innocent people killed while he is trying to punish the people who have defied him. Because the men who go to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, they themselves get killed by the fire. His wrath is so intense, it catches up innocent people. We don't often think about what our anger actually does to us. Sometimes we think about our anger and we think, oh yeah, sometimes I get frustrated and eventually it goes away. But oftentimes, we're constantly building up smaller angers into one big one. That somebody cuts us off in traffic, and we get frustrated, and we get angry, and maybe we yell, but they're already driving away, and there's nothing we can do. And we get frustrated, and we let that anger build up. And then somebody takes our parking spot, and we go to the store, and there's nothing we can do to make them give us that spot back, and we let that anger build up a little more. And then the boss yells us at work. And the boss yells at us at work, and we go, okay, I'll do whatever you say, because I don't have any power over this, and that anger builds up. And finally, we get to a point where somebody we do have power over, be it a loved one, a friend, somebody who looks up to us, does something, and it makes us a little bit angry. But it's that little bit angry that adds to all those other angers. And suddenly our wrath is unleashed on them. Because finally we're angry with somebody we have power over. Finally we're angry with somebody that we can do something to. And it pours out on them. Wrath, in essence, is about abusive relationships of all kinds. We often think about abusive relationships as being something very close, but they happen in all sorts of ways. It can be between a couple. It can be between a parent and child. But it can also be between friends. It can be between coworkers. It can be between any two people that there is a power dynamic. And the wrath comes out when there's finally somebody that we can use our power against. Because having wrath and not being able to do anything doesn't really give us an outlet. If we let it build up to where we want our anger to do something, then it's often going to be against somebody who's weaker. Somebody that we have power over. Somebody that society views less than us. And we see wrath happen for all sorts of reasons. And we also see wrath in ways that we had never imagined as wrath. Because anger takes all sorts of forms. Sometimes it manifests as fear. We let our anger turn into fear of others. That if there's an outsider and we don't know what to do with them, instead of deciding that we should welcome them, we see an outsider and we go, well, I don't know what they're doing here. And I don't want to know what they're doing here. I want somebody to make them go away. We've seen it in a recent pattern of people calling the police on somebody they view as an outsider. 
And instead of figuring out a way to peacefully resolve the situation, they go, well, you know what, I'm just going to get the police to make them go away. Because I don't want to deal with having to figure out what somebody's doing here. And we avoid a situation that we can do good because we're angry about our fear. We don't want to have to deal with new things. We don't want to have to deal with people that we're not used to. We don't want to have to take on new situations and learn new things. And so we just drive them away. Sometimes it takes on the form of ignoring others. That we don't think about how vicious a cold shoulder really is. But wrath can take the form of ignoring. Because if somebody truly, truly cares about you and you turn your back on them, your wrath is being used to say that they aren't worth your time, they aren't worth your love, that they are not worth anything. And inaction becomes wrath. The difficult question then is, how do we stop this from happening? One of the best things I can ever tell you is learn to forgive. And it starts with learning to forgive yourself. Because one of the first people that wrath burns up is you. The anger that you build up inside first tears you up and then causes you to tear other people up. If you can stop it from tearing you up, you'll stop it from turning on others. So you have to learn to forgive yourself. We all mess up. We all fall short. I know from personal experience, I fall short on all sorts of things. And it's easy to be angry about it. It's easy to want to beat myself up because I didn't do everything that I hoped I would do. And I didn't live up to my own expectations. And I could get angry about it and turn that anger on somebody else eventually. Or, I could seek to be forgiven and move forward. It sounds easy enough. But it's hard. And it's hard because the first step in seeking forgiveness is admitting that we have something we need to be forgiven for. But I like to remind myself that God already knows how often I've messed up. God knows all the mistakes I've made. And yet God still loves me. I know that Christ died on the cross not to show off, but to save me. And that includes saving me from myself. And that if I can forgive myself the way that Christ forgave me, then if I can turn that inward, then surely I can forgive others. That if somebody cuts me off in traffic, I can stop for a moment and think, you know what, maybe they're just having a busy day, and maybe there's something I don't know about, and maybe they just didn't even see me there. I don't know what was going on, but... I don't need to hold on to this, and I'm going to forgive them. That when somebody says something not so kind, that we take it in, we go, you know what? That hurt my feelings, 
And we let them know. We simply say, you know what, that, that hurt. And I don't know if you meant it to be hurtful, but I want you to know that that hurt. But I forgive you. We name our problem and we overcome it. Because if we refuse to name our problem, we cannot overcome something we refuse to acknowledge. We cannot overcome our anger if we refuse to acknowledge that our anger exists. We cannot overcome our anger if we don't name those things that cause us to be angry and to be hurt. We can't help others to recognize those things that hurt us if we refuse to name them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have just forgiven the king and stayed quiet. They could have gone, well, you know, he doesn't know how much it hurts us to make us want to worship something else, but we'll forgive him. But that wouldn't help him at all. And part of forgiving is helping the people we are forgiving. That if I want to forgive you for something, I want you to know why I'm forgiving you, but I also want you to know what happened so that it doesn't happen again. If you're doing something that hurts me, I don't want you just to continue hurting me and me to go, well, that's okay. Because sooner or later... That may cause my wrath to overflow. Sooner or later, I might let you slip into wrath because I never let you know what you were doing was hurtful. We have to be honest with each other. We have to be open with each other. And when we do that, we share in that forgiveness that we seek to forgive as we seek to be forgiven. We seek to heal others that we may heal ourselves. We seek peace for our own hearts that we may share it to give peace to others. And we cut off wrath by not giving it a place to fester. Not in our own hearts, not in the hearts of others. And we stop it before it becomes a problem. By learning to love. By learning to accept others. By learning to welcome the stranger. By learning to be graceful. By learning to stand up and name the problems that we face so that we may overcome them together instead of fighting them separately, on our own. That when we see an injustice, we stand up to it. That like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we stand up to Nebuchadnezzar and go, look, this isn't right. And you may be angry, but I have to let you know, things can't keep going this way. Nebuchadnezzar changes. It takes an act of God to help him change his heart, but he changes. He recognizes the problem that's there, and he realizes he was doing something terrible. But we have to name it for someone else to recognize it. We have to stand up and speak out if we expect to be able to overcome something together. But God gives us that power. He gives us that strength. That he gives us that peace. That we may forgive and be forgiven so that we may help others grow, that we may help ourselves grow. That we grow together and we grow in Christ, that we may build a world not based on power over each other, but power through each other. Not based on controlling one another, but submitting to what is good, what is holy. Giving in to do what is right than to do what makes us feel strong. And we avoid wrath by naming our anger and overcoming it with peace.
I encourage you on this day to think about somebody, anybody, that has caused you to build up anger in your heart. Seek them out and forgive them. Don't give that anger a home anymore. Even if it hurts. Even if it's difficult. Let God help you begin to heal your heart from wrath and welcome in love. That you may heal yourself and that you may heal a broken world with a steadfast love that endures forever. And that you may share in a mercy that knows no bounds. Share in that love. And share in the hope that we may overcome anger through peace. And that we may overcome wrath with love. Amen.